Hello, and welcome to another Church Mission Society podcast. We try and bring together stories from people across the globe who are involved in God's mission so that you can pray, learn, and participate in mission too. To discover more stories, visit churchmissionsociety.org. This is Naomi Steinberg, and I'm here with Alf and Hillary Cooper, who have just flown in from Chile yesterday. So thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. I just want to jump right into it and talk about, well, church. You've had um, a really good several decades of church planting, and I'll be honest with you, some people actually feel that the age or the time for church planting, particularly in the UK, is not shouldn't be so much the done thing. We have enough churches, so why why church planting? <laughs> Thank you, Naomi, for giving me such a tempting answer. <laughs> Look, a uh, tempting question for such an answer, but basically, when we began in Chile, there were no non-Catholic churches. We felt there was a space for um, for churches that had a biblical flavor to them, especially since the Pentecostal revival had been going on for a hundred years among the those non-professional classes. And we were now living in the top echelons of Chilean society, but there was absolutely no non-Catholic churches. So there was a, a need we felt to plant, to start churches. Um, planting seems to have a kind of invasive uh, sense to it, but, but probably if you look at the book of Acts, uh, you do see that the kingdom of God is to be spread around the world. This is an intentional command of Jesus. And how was it to be brought about? It seems that they chose centers of population where they set up Christian communities that were later called churches. And I think that today, both for the visibility of Christianity, what is Christianity about, um, the incarnation of the love of God in a very broken, sinful world, the spread of the good news of the gospel, it continues to be the number one strategy for extending the kingdom of God and making it visible. So that, for instance, in Chile, what began as a little house grouping, a community, um, you might call it church or not, it doesn't really matter, it's Jesus' community there, it has now spread to become at least, you know, 50 churches, and they're not all Anglican churches, we began, there were none, now there are at least 50 in that sector, some 40 years later, from different groups who've been encouraged to see that, yeah, it was possible to start churches in what was considered a an area that was impossible to to bring the gospel to uh, in this biblical way. So for, I'm wondering for a UK context, and if you feel comfortable commenting on this, so the UK is full of churches, so many of them nearly empty. So do we need to church plant in the UK? <laughs> Dawn 2000, you know, there was an organization, Disciple a Whole Nation, did one of your typical studies on these things, and... Um, drew up the format for a birthday present for Jesus. They said that 2000 would be his birthday. And so the birthday present would be evangelize the whole world. It's a bit of an American thing. Nevertheless, they came up with some interesting statistics. To disciple the whole world, you would need, they said, to plant one church per thousand population one church per thousand people around the world. And then they considered that would be a good birthday present for Jesus, a discipled world. That's what they felt would really took. How they came to that conclusion, I'm not quite sure, but, but, but it was a challenge. And as we looked at that, in fact, it doesn't sound, it, it sounds much more than this. It actually means 
every church plant three churches, maybe one in their similar sector, another in a, supposedly a Samaria, another part of the city, and another in some part of the world that is unreached with the gospel. And if every church thought like that, they said, we could do it. Well, they didn't do it. I don't know quite why, but it doesn't quite work out that way in practice. But I still feel that in Britain, you do not have one church of lively gospel, kingdom-loving people per thousand population. Maybe you think it through that way. You might have these three sections actually in Britain. One in a nearby part of the parish. Another, boy, in another parish (laughs) is dangerous. But nevertheless, maybe joining up with churches that are weaker in another parish, like in neighboring parish, a weakened church, a bit like I know they're doing, Nicky Gumbel's doing with, with mm-hmm. in London, and of course they had enormous church growth, they say. Okay, that might be. And a third one in some section of the population that is totally unreached for the gospel. You can do it in Britain. I think maybe that will be a great birthday present for Jesus next year or whenever. Uh, that's probably a good, a good goal. Hilary, would you add anything to planting back into those old buildings? Mm-hmm. You've got the building and, and start planting and healing people, you know, from all the terrible things they're living in the modern world. So I guess you need to ask also, what is church and what does church look like today? Uh, we define church in Chile, in our La Trinidad uh, Concert. And La Trinidad is a church that has three services on a Sunday. And I mean, the last reckoning we had, there were 800 people on a Sunday went through in these three services, a particularly packed time. When, uh, But we've also planted out of that other churches. That's the way we function. We don't want to be a mega church, but what is church? That's the way we look like. But what does church look like? We usually say church is a hospital. First of all, we go and look for the sick people and bring healing to them. Then becomes a a school where we teach them everything Jesus wants people to know about in the kingdom. And it's there in scripture. And he told the disciples to do that. Go make disciples and teach them all the things I taught you. And that includes, I think, ministerial praxis, the sort of way in which he reached people with love and with the power of God and, you know, uh, exorcising, if you like, casting out the evil in society and bringing healing to society in these diverse ways, including real exorcism, but in many other ways, uh, ridding society, seeking to rid society of its, uh, of all the malaise and the different things that accumulate in power structures in so many ways. And then, of course, the third stage is to make it a military, a military school. In other words, maybe military is not the right word. Again, it sounds invasive. You could call it a rugby team or whatever, a sports event, something that takes people out to do the work on the football pitch or to do the work out there where the battle is raging, you know. So we try and train people through, take people through those stages. Now that popular arrive is broken, sick people in the hospital wing and they never realize that where, they're going to, where they're going to end up. But that's what happened in the New Testament. Right. So this idea then that has kind of floated around maybe more so in the UK than perhaps Chile, but this idea that you can have a... A, a church-free Christianity. Um, what, what's your response to that? Yeah, I like the idea. It sounds really good. What they're really saying is we're really fed up of church, and many people really are fed up of church, especially with all the scandals and things. They look at church. They look at the history of the church, and they're increasingly questioning, wait a minute, 
what how did church ever be come to be in the place that it was uh, dictating the norms for us and what have you well of course what actually occurred was the church persuaded the then western world mostly but later in the next few centuries the eastern world and throughout i mean stephen neal's history of missions is fascinating to see how quickly it spread even to china and all those areas the church in its various manifestations it actually persuaded the world it didn't invade the world it really made sure that this was a better way of living so you get uh, Paul, of course, said, saying to the Corinthians, you know, some of you were like this. You know, you were cheats, you were deceivers, you were in all kinds of sexual promiscuity. Today, Jesus persuades you better. I like the quote that um, Gibbon, the historian, atheist historian, gave saying that the explanation to why the early church overturned the Roman Empire without any weapons was because they loved better, they thought better, and they died better than everybody else. And that, I think, is what took place in early church. So what they're really saying is, can we please see real Christianity that loves better, thinks better, dies better than everybody else, and not institutions that seem to come in the way between man and God? Mm. Uh, we we work a lot into de denominationally, you know. When we say Anglican churches, but we, uh, for instance, we have this marriage encounter movement where we we bring all these people on to a weekend. We have passed that, given that uh, ministry, and we received it from the Catholics, and we're giving it to all these other denominations for them also to be able to to work in in, in Santiago. So you've developed church planting resources, right? Yeah. So I don't have access to these resources right now. So I'm wondering if you had to give me a crash course on how to plant a plant a church. <laughs> um, are there actual step by steps to take, or can you can you give me a hint as to a couple of those, or you know, kind of how to plant a church? Unbeknown to you, we've just handed the Archbishop of Canterbury when he came to found us as the 40th Anglican province in just December, just gone by, early December, what occurred was that we gave him what we thought was the fruit of our very humble and uh, immature experience, but it's called the Church Planting Guide. He loved it to the extent he wants us in Lambeth to actually expound this. And that will take you to three phases. Plant a church, develop a church, multiply a church, churches. So to plant a church, you need to guide it through a mentor can guide you through, as I'm doing, say, with a church in Buenos Aires right now by Internet. They meet together and they'll take you through getting a vision, praying together, studying the whole neighborhood, going to the municipality, finding out people, meeting the people, really incarnating as much as you can in an area that you feel God's guiding you to, then serving the community, how you do that, and evangelizing, bringing the good news of Jesus as a message to people. How do you do that? A film maybe in the park or maybe develop a marriage encounter weekend where you invite people to. And then, of course, follow the dictum we use, which is new people bring new people. New enthused people come off these things and bring their friends to the next one. A woman's encounter, a youth encounter, children's encounter, Cursillo, mm -hmm. and all those different ministries for all the church. Yeah, gradually we've developed these tools where 
friendship is the key so that friends can't wait to bring their friends not to church necessarily <clears throat> but to one of these pre-church on the way to finding Christ like Alpha your Alpha is a yeah. great expression the same we also use Alpha mm -hmm. but as a consolidating um, tool for people who come off Encuentro Matrimonial, Cursillo, Women's Encounter, etc. So that's the way we try and find what really heals people to bring them into the hospital. And then we educate them in the school. Great. I think you mentioned a word earlier that was interesting to me, and that was, um, I think it was power. So, and a lot of times people get really, you know, when the church gets mixed up with power, um... Some people see that as a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Yet you, but you kind of hobnob in some powerful circles, right? In some government circles. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about that kind of relationship? You can read all about it in the book that I've just translated from Spanish called Desde el Palacio. In English, it'll be inside the palace telling me about those four years of hobnobbing and really seeking God, going around the palace quietly, praying in tongues, seeking God, doing spiritual warfare and seeing incredible answers of prayer, like the 33 miners brought up out of the ground but shook the whole world. So what God can do with some prayer in the chapel, of course, I'm not claiming all the honors for myself there, but it was part of a huge movement and the president, the president's wife would come to that the powerful people came to pray as we unfolded this unfolding um, adventure of rescuing these miners. Just one example of many. So prayer is absolutely vital. This Jesus did turn power upside down, didn't he? That you want to be most powerful, you've got to serve more than anybody else. So abuses of power by the church have been one of the major stumbling blocks, be they sexual abuses or abuses against women. Um, these are all true things that have hurt people and have caused a great blockage. Now, the Holy Spirit leads us out of those power abuses if we're willing to repent and um, seek new ways of expressing power like the kingdom expressed it all the power that jesus used was to heal people and to save people and to bring people out of um their different dilemmas and loneliness and fear and anxiety it's amazing read through it and the scripture you see that the power he uses always in service uh, for the kingdom and that's of course what god did on the cross and uh, that's the ultimate power expression jesus dying on the cross and then being raised by god so with this trip that you're currently on in the UK, I'm wondering if you can give me a, a bit of a sneak preview as to what you're going to be talking to UK, UK churches about. I think we will talk about the revisiting of church. That means different things. One, that we are revisiting our friends in the churches, but also God's revisitation by his Holy Spirit. The doctoral studies I've been doing as I study Pentecostalism further convinced me that the church today needs to rediscover the Holy Spirit. A lot of rewords here, right? And that'll bring times of refreshing and eventually revival, which means bringing new life to. I think all of it is already inherent in church. Read Acts of the Apostles and there's no word for revival there because that's normal church, divided, sinful, all kinds of problems there. Nevertheless, because there was there a seeking of the kingdom of God first, right? Um, 
you will find that God revisits them time and again, time and again. And that's the key, I think, to be revisited by God constantly while on your knees. And as the church is on its knees, on her knees, we will continually be revisited by what we've already got, the Holy Spirit inherent in us. We leave him aside. We don't know the person of the Holy Spirit. You ask many Christians, they don't even know who the Holy Spirit is, what he is. And yet he's living within them. So much have we ignored the person of the Holy Spirit who Jesus said would take his place and certainly in Acts of the Apostles leads the church in their great mission to the world. Is it fair to say that both of you view the book of Acts not as just history but as instructive? There is a very important actual watershed that's been taken place over the last few years. Acts was seen by many as mere narrative. I'm saying literally the words, mere narrative. Don't build doctrine out of Acts. Don't use Acts as a norm or a blueprint. Well, maybe it's not a blueprint in the sense that it doesn't need to be exactly that. But I do think the latest theological studies have shown that Luke's intention was missiological and theological and probably even ecclesiological. He wanted to show what Jesus continued to do through the church. This was his big intention stated at the outset of Acts in his introduction. He wants to show us what church should look like. So certainly I think a revisit of Acts of the Apostles with a lot of prayer saying, Lord, give us this if it's for us today. Show us how will lead us in a right path. I had a series of sermons sometime back called Let the Helper Help. Jesus said he would be the one to help us. And yet we sort of go to every other resource possible and finally end up in desperation asking the helper who Jesus left to help us. That's where we ought to go first. And I think that's the great imperative of the moment for the church everywhere in England as well, that we seek him until we have his help and guidance and empowering and love to reach this world in his way. It's a nice lead into what I think is my last question, which is earlier you said something that I just I think that will stick with me for a while, which was just basically the phrase, "the church has the church has got it." And what, what do you what do you mean by that? Could you unpack that a little bit? What do you mean by the church has got it? Right, Jesus, when he left, left a very fledgling and, if you like, um, materially poor church. But yet they had it. And Peter expressed this when the guy was the beggar on the road. He says, look, I haven't got silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. We have everything we need as a church. If we could only discover it again um, to make the people get up and walk, to bring the good news and the love of Christ, although we may be materially poor or not many, without many resources, um, we may not even be too clever. Nevertheless, we have everything we need in what God has provided for us. And of course, this is witnessed to by the fact that the fastest growing churches all over the world are the poorest and the ones who seem to have to rely more on mm. God. Therefore, pray a lot more. Therefore, seek him a lot more and receive a lot more of heavenly resources mm rather than just human resources. Now, I'm not in any way downgrading the very important work that people do with human resources and human riches, you know, mobilized for the kingdom of God. But there again, it all needs to be done in dependence on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Church Mission Society. For more material, go to churchmissionsociety.org forward slash resources.